Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Film Odyssey Podcast, where me and my brother trek through cinema on a quest to find the best film ever made. This season, we begin our journey by counting down the AFI Top 100 Films of all time. And tonight, we watch Bringing Up Baby. So, um, Randy, thoughts? Why is 1930s humor so frickin' cringe? I, look, it was a different time. It, was it different, really was. Yeah. I mean, Grant, there's some bits in this that yeah, are kind of funny. There was more than I thought there would be that were actually pretty funny. Mm. But the whole beginning bit, I just wanted to fucking slap Catherine Hepburn across <laughs> her bitch face. <laughs> <laughs> that is... <laughs> like, I, I was fuming. <laughs> That's Randy's hot take, is that uh, Catherine Hepburn's character is just... Is just no. Well... No, no, not that, but, like, you know, that style of humor, you know, where, like, it's just so frustrating to watch for me. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I like humor where, like, I could see it being funny in the moment, you know, mm-hmm. type of thing. But, like, that stuff, I don't find amusing at all. It, like, it's I just, when I one just... person just refuses to listen to what you're saying. Yes, yeah, like, that is just, like, the most infuriating thing I will ever experience in my entire life. Yeah, honestly, I ain't gonna lie to you. There's, uh... My biggest issue with this is people talk way, way too fast, and I just lose so much of what the fuck they're saying, and I just was like, really? can, can we please just slow the fuck down for I like 30 I seconds? I, I didn't, I didn't really miss anything like that. No, well, it's not like, oh, I miss jokes or whatever, it's just like, there's so much chaos when people are talking. That's like the point. I know, and it annoys the shit out of me. It's one of those things where it's like, there's some bits where I really like, and also, uh, there's a few bits in this movie that go on for way too fucking long. Really? Uh, so the jailhouse sequence where uh, she's like, you know, oh, copper, see? I think oh, that yeah. bit goes on way too long. Really? Way too fucking I long. I thought it was fine. That was actually one of the better bits of the whole fucking movie to me. Really? Yeah. Mm, I don't know. One of my favorite bits was, you know, don't worry, the, the river's shallow. We can just wade across it. <laughs> yeah, they just fall fucking right into it. fall right in. Because <laughs> that one was good. Because I, well, I was like, those jokes are really good. You know, there's a setup, visual punchline, really duck it. It's when it's Catherine Hepburn just, you know, motor-mouthing through a scene. And some of it, some of it works, but that scene is, like, fucking ten minutes, and it just irks me. You mean the whole, like, jailhouse scene, or just her talking to the, like, the constable? That whole jailhouse sequence. Oh, I thought you were just talking about her talking to the constable and, like, getting out of the place. Oh, no, once they get into, like, the actual room of the interrogation thing, it's like, okay, it's going. But when it has the whole setup with her, like, talking to Carrie about Carrie... Okay, everybody, I should probably preface this. This movie is a lot of gag, one-liners, cringy-ish kind of humor. It's it's funny, though. Basically, like, it's a lot of people, like, talking really fast and talking over each other to, like, kind of, like, get the jokes of, like, people trying to finish other people's sentences, but it's like, no, that's not really what I meant. But then, like, they just keep going... Yeah, and keep going and keep going and it's just like one of those things where it's like if you were a real person in a situation you would just want to like bolt like a metal freaking like (laughs) clamp over everybody's mouth and tell them to shut the fuck up yeah but i guess to prefix this conversation since we talked a little bit let's tell people what the movie is actually about yes yes so the movie is about this uh david huxley played by cary grant he's a mild-mannered paleontologist 
on the verge of getting married when he is tasked with gaining some much-needed grant money from a free-spirited Susan Vance, played by Catherine Hepburn. The two become enthralled in a wild ride of mishaps and mischiefs, culminating in a standoff with a leopard named Baby, a knight in jail, and a uh, swing around a giant dinosaur fossil. But the thing is that he's not getting the grant money from well, Susan Vance. Well, directly from Susan he's, Vance. Her well, he doesn't know sphere. that he, he doesn't know that he's getting it from her until like the end of the movie. Right, it's like this whole thing where he's supposed to be getting this grant money from this person, and that person ends up knowing this person who's actually this that, other person, this other person's aunt. It <laughs> this movie gets really convoluted really quickly, and it's just hoping that you're just along for the ride. I think yeah. that's kind of how yeah, the movie you, is logically you just going. Turn off your brain, like really turned it off, and just kind of like let it flow. Like I think you'd enjoy this movie a lot more. But I'm just sitting through the first half of the movie, or the. Yeah, about, like, the first half, maybe, like, the first third of this movie being, like, I want to strangle Catherine Hepburn, and holy fuck, Cary Grant is gonna get divorced. <laughs> or not even get married. Honestly, it... I hate those setups for these movies. Oh. Just hate it. You, you hate the, you hate that setup? I hate that setup of, like, oh, you know, I'm gonna get married, and then, like, oh, this wild lady, like, takes me away and does all this wacky stuff, and then I don't end up getting married. I'm like, that's a sad, sad, tragic story. <laughs> Like, actually tragic. <laughs> I mean, but, but Cary Grant's, you know, betrothed. She knows Snoo Snoo. Well, it's not that big of a deal. Like... <laughs> I, I get it. I, it's it's one of these movies where you can tell this was for a 1930s audience. Yes, yes, yes. But here's the thing. We are not a 1930s audience. Well, not even that. This, wasn't e this didn't even hit for a 1930s audience. No. So do you want to know a bit of production history oh, on this? Oh, God. Okay, so originally Howard Hawks, the director of this, very famous director, uh, was brought in to direct a film for RKO called Gunga Din, but that was in production hell for like more than a year. And then he came across a short story in a magazine. He's like, this would make a good, like, throwaway movie you know keep me under contract or whatever uh -huh. and that was bringing a baby the film went into production like 37 Catherine hepburn who was trying to make a comeback because she was in a couple of box office like non-starters for a while uh -huh. and carrie grant was this up-and-coming star so they're like you know what whatever put them together he gets a come up she might get a little you know back in production it'll be fine movie wraps in 37 gets rave reviews by critics they really dig it mm -hmm. but this is a box office flop it literally only makes back its budget of 1.1 million dollars after being in circulation for like 10 years it basically got re-released throughout the 40s and 50s and that's when it made its money back finally until it got pulled from showings and this is also one of the few films on the list that has zero awards this movie is um only recognized in any kind of like awards or honors in reevaluations in the late 90s when it gets put in the library of congress I fucking knew it fucking knew it fucking knew it yeah <laughs> even people in the 30s didn't get behind even this even people in the 30s just were like yo this kind of cringe though <laughs> it, it, i want to imagine Excuse 19 me, sir but your film it seemed a bit of cringe <laughs> now look here sonny this uh this film's a little uh cringy yo exactly i imagine that's how 1930s I mean, newsies talk like during the latter half of the movie like there's some good jokes in there. Like, there's a lot of good stuff. Like, um, when they're sitting at the table and um, Cary Grant gets up all the time to, like, follow the dog around. I thought that was pretty funny. Like, mid-conversation, they're trying to, like, talk to him and he's just... 
no, yes. He's answering literally the <laughs> yes. exact wrong thing for every answer and then just gets up and walks away. Yeah, I thought it was kind of good. There's some good bits in there. Also, when, like, Catherine Hepburn's trying to get him to stay at the house so she takes his clothes to get it pressed. Uh-huh. And he comes out and, like, the frilly, you know, negligee. And when he finally snaps... Oh, when he snaps and stomps on her foot and yells at um At, at, at like, her the aunt, aunt and the maid and everybody. Yes. I'm like... Good old Cary Grant. I'm like, oh, thank God. <laughs> well, thank the Lord. <laughs> you know the crazy thing? Cary Grant improved a lot of his bits mm-hmm. of dialogue in this. Mm-hmm. Like the whole thing where she's like, why are you dressed like that? Maybe I've turned gay all of a sudden. <laughs> he jumps. Jumps. Yeah, he improved that. He improved a couple of bits so of dialogue. Good. Yeah. That was a good one. Because Cary Grant, he was like a vaudeville guy. Uh-huh. But Catherine Hepburn, she never did like comedy before. And they had to like teach her how to do comedy and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that's why, because I feel Cary Grant is way better at playing, like, the bumbling idiot than Catherine Hepburn is playing, like, the inept pixie dream girl. Like, is that just me? Yeah, because, I mean, Catherine Hepburn, she just comes off as, like, malicious half the time. She feels like she's out to ruin this man's career. Yes, Yes, I mean, at the beginning, where he's like, no, that's my car. And she's like, oh, well, could you move it? And he's like, no, this is my car. Well, no. Well, can you at least move that, you know, your car at least four feet back so I can clear? And, okay, I understand, like, that bit in, like, real-world context is, like, not funny. It's just, like, fuck fuck this. Yes. But I ain't gonna lie, when he just starts, when she peels out and he's on the running board, and he's like, I'll be back in a minute, I laughed. I don't, I'm sorry. That's probably the only funny part of that bit. I, it's one of those things where there's few bits in this that I'm like, okay, I can acknowledge that it's like, this makes no sense. And it's just it's like, it's designed now to make you pissed, but it's still kind of funny to me. I think that's the thing. There's enough in the first half to kind of get me going for the second half where it actually starts getting good. There's just there enough. isn't enough for me. I want to just leave. <laughs> like I was legitimately gonna walk out of the theater here in my brother's room. <laughs> yes, in the in the nice uh, home theater we have that is my fucking TV. But um, really, th- were you it was really gone? So bad. It was so bad. Like I was, I I could barely watch it. But then during the latter half of the movie, the second half, it was it was all right. All right. I didn't feel so bad. What what turned it for you? Because I guess that's a real question for you. What actually? When the leopard shows up. As soon as baby shows up. Yeah, when the leopard shows up, because it's a chonky little baby. <laughs> right, he's like it was a big fat little kitty. <laughs> it was a big old kitty. Also, I freaking love that cat. Also, dude. So you notice how, like, in the first half of that, you know, leopard stuff, like they're interacting with it. It's on set or whatever. Yeah. And then in the latter half, you can tell it's like, oh, they're nineteen thirties like, green screen. Yeah, superposing it on. Yeah, you know why. Did it hurt somebody? Tried to maul Catherine Hepburn. Tra- Good on you. Trainers Good on you, ba- baby. Good on you. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah and but- I feel so bad. I'm like ragging on Catherine Hepburn. Like- She's won like the most Oscars out of any female like performer in- of all time. Well, yeah, but holy shit, did I hate her in this movie. She's <laughs> <laughs> a great actress. She's supposed to hate I wonder if that's the point. If you're just she's a comedy. Of- I'm not supposed to hate her. I'm supposed to think she's quirky and funny and shit, but she's too quirky and kind of weird. She's too rich. Too rich. Too rich? Too rich. What do you mean? Like rich like too rich like some dark chocolate or something? Like, <laughs> no, know? like like there's too much money. She she should have been like the, you know, the poor one on the cup. I would have been so so more into this if it turned out she was like a con artist. And that was, like, the reveal at the end of the movie. Like, she was just conning everybody the whole time. Oh. Uh, because at least I'm like, okay, that kind of explains why she's, like, 
always trying to talk faster than people can understand to get away with shit. Yes. But in this, it's just like, I don't get it. I feel there's something wrong with the woman. There's a lot of things wrong with wrong with this movie not let alone Catherine Hepburn's character Susan Vance oh god so obviously you're not a fan of the first half of this movie no I'm okay enough with it to get along but what about this did you specifically like is there a particular performance scene is the story good like what exactly about this did you dig the story's not that great what I really dug was like the whole like Basically, the, like, character interactions, like, during the second half of the movie, where you can kind of tell that, like, Cary Grant and, like, Catherine Hepburn was, like, started to get, like, a feeling for the whole thing. You know, the jokes start hitting a little bit more, you know, especially when they're, like, falling around the dog in the yard and whatnot. Mm. Like, I feel like, basically, like, everything starts to get, like, going to where, like, the jokes are actually funny now. And, like, there's this chonky leopard. And I love the chonky little leopard. <laughs> little, 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 little chonky leopard. Little chonker. Also, that chonker leopard, mm-hmm. when it's fighting the dog George. Yeah. How many dogs they go through? Exactly. I was thinking the same thing. How many dogs they go through for when because um, he's fighting George? Yeah, there's a part in the movie where the, the full-grown leopard is fighting this little, like, Jack Russell Terrier or some shit. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they're going. They're just going at it. Yeah. I don't know if they trank the sure. leopard they're, they're or They're like, what? they're like play fighting in the movie, right? But like, in real life, I'm just like, bruh. <laughs> Dude, this is the 30s. They were still firing live rounds at you, all right, in gunfights. That shit was real. I don't know, man. How many, how many dogs do they have to go through? How many little Georgies? How many, how many chickens do they go through when they crash into that truck? Oh also, God, too. Yeah, dude, that's another like thing. They use live chickens there. I'm those like, did they real. fucking kill those chickens I... when they did that stunt? Like, what the fuck, <laughs> dude? That's a, that's the thing about some older movies. Like, if you're looking, you're just like, man, that looks so real. I'm like, it's probably because it is real. Probably because it is real. But I'm trying to find a way to angle angle in on this movie and to get it, some real discussion out of like, it. Like, get some real discussion out of it because I think there is merit to this. Because you know, this film not a box office hit. This nope. movie was a critical success, but it faded into obscurity. If it weren't for, like, re-releases over, like, the 40s and 50s, this probably would have just disappeared into the ether. Yeah. And even then, I think it did disappear into the ether. No one talked about it again until the 80s, 90s. Well, I mean, it's got two good actors in it. Two, got... two of the most famous Hollywood actors, yeah. Yeah, especially at this time. Oh, yeah. So, I'm wondering, why did people come back and say, you know what? Yeah, this is one of the best American films of all time. I'm wondering why that lines in. I, I think I think it's just because it has Cary Grant and at, um, Catherine Hepburn. Catherine Hepburn in it, and it's a comedy from the 30s. Like they they had a checklist, and they were like, "This hits all the checklists we need. We gotta have the representation of Catherine Hepburn. Gotta have the representation of Cary Grant. You know, well, it's a comedy. It's in the 30s. Bada bing, bada bong. Howard Hawks is on there. Who? Howard Hawks is one of the best, like, directors of all time. Yeah. But even he acknowledges this isn't even his best movie. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Jeez. But that's the thing. Like, his better films are, like, westerns. Like, I'm pretty sure he directed Rio Bravo. Mm -hmm. And that was the movie John Ford watched. I was like, wait, John Wayne can act? (laughs) Oh, goodness. Literally. And then made a whole career out of that? Literally made a whole career out of that. But, no, that, actually, that was a... Like, Howard Hawks directed Rio Bravo in, like, the 50s. John, For- John Ford already worked with John Wayne for, like, a 
like a decade. Oh. And was like, I didn't know John Wayne could act. <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> Howard Hawks was like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm just better than you, John Wayne. Or Damn. John Ford. Have all those Oscars. I'm better. Damn. Yeah, you know, talking shade. I, yeah, I'm, I'm honestly sitting here looking at this movie and its position on the list, which is, what's his position on the list? 87? No, 88. Yeah, this is, yeah, this comes in at 88. And give me, a, give me a second to double check where it was before. Okay, yeah, so I'm looking here, and Bring Up Baby comes in at, like, 88 on the 07 list, but it used to be down in, like, the 90s, like, 97, 90, mm -hmm. 99, something like that, and it moved up. Moved up. That's a big ask. I'm wondering if that is just because, looking at this movie, I can see the DNA of this movie in other films, like the sure. Manic Pixie Dream Girl, like, yeah. trope. Like, this kind of, like, really screwball-y romantic comedy angle. This, like, really weird, mischievous, fast-talking, like, atmosphere of comedy. I can I can see this. Like, I can see why this is an influential film. And I want... That's probably why it's on this, to be it's honest. It's so bad, because, you know, personally, the all thing, of those tropes you just named, I hate all of them. <laughs> I, I understand. <laughs> I'm just over here being, like... Wow, this movie is worse than I thought and influenced all the things I hate. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, you look, you gotta applaud the villains when they do something right, alright? God damn it. I'm just like I'm just like struggling to find anything worthwhile saying in this movie. Well, okay. <laughs> I think just... one thing that I find just I guess it's not worthwhile, but it's incredibly interesting. You know how Cary Grant's walking around with the big glasses, fedora, suit, whatever? Yeah. You notice how he looks exactly like Clark Kent? Yeah. You know that Christopher Reeves literally used his Cary Grant's performance in this and based Clark Kent in Superman? Really? Yeah, and that's the thing. 90% of people who have portrayed Superman basically just use the David Huxley character as, like, the foundation to base their performances off of. The really, like, oh, you know, awkward, you know, mild-mannered kind of Yeah, bumbling. yeah. And oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, that makes total sense. I mean, the visually works and, like, the characterization, it works. I think... Yeah, because he's supposed to be kind of, like, this really mild-mannered person you're not supposed to take note of, you know? Who's supposed to seem David like Huxley they couldn't there. really, like, you know, oh, he couldn't be Superman, there's no way. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, David, David Huxley finally, you know, he snaps, yells at people, and you're like, this guy... There's a rage yeah, underneath. Yeah, then he, then he laser visions freaking Catherine Eppering's character <laughs> under the ground, you know? You just really do not like Susan Vance at all. Gosh, no. <laughs> okay, well, I guess, who do you think this movie is for? Like, do you think people now would enjoy this? Who do you think you could give this to that would enjoy it? Like, do you think people who just like old comedies would dig this? Or do you think this is still too of its time? Like, do you think this ages well at all? Honestly, at this point, because, uh, you know, I haven't seen any movies from this era. Well, we've we seen Swing Time. Funny. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> you know, like, the second half of this movie is, like, it's funny to, like, an extent, you know, but it's definitely not even close, like, Mel Brooks movies, basically, or, like, you know, Monty Python, or mm. anything like that, you know? That's That's kind of <laughs> tipping the hand a little bit, where it's, like, these, these very old-style comedies are a big ask for you big ask for me yeah like i i don't know i don't know i just don't really have much to say like about this movie about, about anything really i just i just really didn't like it 
I mean, you know, that's, that happens. I mean, all in all, because I've seen this movie before. I watched it for the double feature podcast I did a long time ago. And David, the co-host there, was like, hey, watch Bringing Up Baby. We'll pair it up with some other old-style 1930s, 40s, 50s, just romantic comedy, right? Mm -hmm. And it was this and The Apartment. The Apartment is also on this list, like, 30 spaces above it. Yeah. And uh, The Apartment's a masterpiece. I love that movie. This movie... Even at the time, I was like, it was fine. I, I don't know. I was like half watching it for the first half, and then the second half came in. I was like, oh, okay, now there's some funny bits in this. But this is like, now rewatching it again, I'm like, okay, benefit of the doubt. I give that a lot with these old comedies. Benefit of the doubt. This is very of its time watching it. Okay, they're trying. Yeah, the bit's fine. Okay, I get a little chuckle. And the second half comes in, I'm like, Okay, no, that joke still holds up. Okay, that that gag actually got a laugh out of me. And then the end, I'm like, oh, this bit's going all along, but okay, yeah, it's like, the movie's out. Well, the movie's out. We're, we're back in. Okay, it's like you know, you gotta treat the the movie with like kid gloves, you know, a little bit. Like <laughs> you if have I to have like to... so many like preconceived notions before you come into it to like try and give yourself that benefit of the, the benefit time. to like you know be like okay you know it's an old movie you know the jokes are gonna be a little strange for me you know i gotta keep an open mind and you gotta go through all these like hoops to try and make the first half of this movie work you know and that's the thing like if i wanted to tear into this movie i absolutely can i'm be real with you the performances are fine they're elevated comedies but with the exception of Cary Grant, I could really take or leave any of everybody else in this. Catherine Hepburn, I think, is miscast, if I'm being honest. I think I think you could have gotten a much better, like, comedic actress for this. And the other point of that is, like, the story is serviceable enough, even if it's wacky. I get it's, it. It's supposed to be it's, wacky. I think it's bad. It's not even serviceable. It's just bad. I, uh, I think, like, the whole setup where it's, like, you know, basically you know that the main character is going to get divorced by the end of the movie. Yeah, it, <laughs> I think that is true. It's also one of these movies where I kind of dislike it, where 90% of the problems could be solved with, like, a phone call and talking to an adult. Yes. In the room. Like, I, those kind of movies, generally, I have issue with, which is why a lot of comedies I don't like. I like Monty Python and Mel Brooks movies because you exist in an elevated world. Yes. Everything's ridiculous. Yes. And that works because I buy into the world. Yeah, you, the problems can't be solved by just stopping and telling somebody what's wrong because they're in the same boat as you. Everything's ridiculous. Where it's like these kind of movies, a lot of romantic comedies I can't I I can't fuck with. I just I simply can't. There's like very I, few. I can't. Uh, I, I simply can't. <laughs> like okay, cuz I've seen movies like Fever Pitch or Head Over Heels, where those movies are designed to just be shitty rom-coms. But I can kind of give them the benefit of the doubt because at least the world they're in is coherent and mm -hmm. the comedy comes from two very, or at least one of them, two very normal people in a very weird situation and it just comes because they're kind of quirky. Whatever, fuck it, I'll, I can jive with it. But this shit, I don't get it. Like, I want to, I really, I really want to. Because I know people fucking love this movie. Real who? Hoomst. Hoomst? Hoomst. Hoomst. They're, they're, I've seen a lot of people, most of them are like, you know, critics, a lot of filmmakers. Like, John Carpenter fucking loves this movie. What the 
Well, his his personal favorite Howard Hawks is like obviously his westerns, Rio Bravo, but he also loves um, God those Howard Hawks films like you know, this one, Bringing Up Baby. There's also another one, His Girl Friday. He digs Howard Hawks movies. He likes this movie. A lot of people like this movie. Like this movie? How what? do you like this movie? I, I you must just like you must just have like some some kind of like thing you know where you can enjoy that comedy at the beginning of the movie. I mean, you also got to think about it. This movie, it's a very classical kind of comedy. Like, this you can look at and be like, this is kind of the template well, thing well, that went into old Hollywood comedies, yeah, right? Yeah, I should probably preface something about this. So, like, at the very, very beginning, Cary Grant is talking to um, the lawyer of... Mr. Peabody. Yeah, he's talking to Mr. Peabody. And he's supposed to, like, you know, get this, like, uh, convince Mr. Peabody to convince... What's her Aunt, name? Aunt Elizabeth? Uh, Elizabeth to, like, get the grant for the museum. Get the million dollar grant. And so he's, like, you know, just talking to him about it at the beginning. But he's kind of, like, you know, a little clumsy and awkward about it. Mm-hmm. Spaghetti thought, falling out of his pocket. I thought the movie was going to be more like that. You know, that's kind of funny. But then when it gets to, like, Catherine Hepburn's character, where it's, like, that but cranked up to, like, 25 on a 1 to 5 scale. Yeah. I just couldn't take it. I was just, like, there's way too much. Like, I can get, like, Cary Grant kind of being, like, awkward. Like, trying to, like, you know fumble his way through like talking to mr peabody and you know just kind of being like this earnest character of like you know he's really trying but you know he doesn't really know how he doesn't have that like he's he's a scientist right he's a scientist who's very socially awkward very self-isolating works and now he has to be the front man for the museum and i could get behind that because he's really good as that kind of like bumbling not really, like, socially graceful kind of guy. Yeah. Really shy, awkward. But then Catherine Hepburn comes in like a freight train. And, like, Susan Vance, as a character, I feel this could have worked better if there were, if it just was a building kind of thing. Where at first, like, oh, misunderstanding with the golf ball. That's a fine introduction yeah, scene. Yeah, it was okay. Because it was like, oh, yeah, she's this woman who's just not only just, like, talking over character but she also really doesn't care what he has to say yeah basically she's like i'm doing something just leave me alone the only reason i'm talking to you is so you don't notice that i'm just going mm-hmm. and i'm like okay that's an in- that's a character i can dig that you know the, somebody who's like i'm only talking to you so you don't understand what i'm doing so i can just finish what i'm doing and have a nice day goodbye but then yeah, it's, it's, it's okay and then it's the car bit and then and she then steals his fucking car <laughs> right it's just once she steals the car i'm like oh the 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 wackiness goes from like zero to 60 well the whole thing is that she's no longer just like you know kind of like because that person that like just talks to you it's like she can get you know keep going on with what she's uh, have a nice day you know that kind of person is not the same person that Catherine hepburn is playing yeah so like kind of like that whole like personification of her character that you kind of like get an idea for just throw out the window no she's nothing like that she's just a ditz <laughs> yeah she's she's this ditzy criminal she like steals she steals cars she has steals a purse steals a purse and i really i really feel bad just ragging on katherine hepburn because she's a good actress she's a fine she's actress fucking movie <laughs> like i will go on record she is a great actress in this film i just oof it was it was hard like I, this might have been a hard ask for anybody based on the script. I'll, I'll probably give them that, because even Cary Grant improved like half of his bits. Yeah. So it might have been the thing where the script wasn't all the way there, and Catherine Hepburn is like, "Well, I'll stick to the script. You know, I'll do some bits if me and Cary work it out. But if that's not happening, then okay, whatever." And I, I feel that's probably the biggest issue is the script's not 
totally there? Probably not. You know, and granted, this was also a secondary production for Howard Hawks, yeah. just so he could have something in the pipeline. Something while to do while in the meantime. Yeah, so he's like, "Ah, oh, we got a couple. We got a leopard. You know, we got some. We got to use it for something." <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know. I mean, this might just be a short recording because let's yeah. be honest. I guess we'll we'll just go I'm in. Trying, trying to get away from this thing as fast as I can, you know. It's like I'm running from the fucking leopard for the movie, you know. <laughs> I'm just trying to avoid it with all my. Okay, well, and Good God. this is weird because we opened up with like favorite bits because we were just opened up with talking about like this movie actually is funny. There are some funny parts in this movie, mostly like near the end of the movie, you know. I I really liked some of them. Okay, favorite bit. My favorite bit is. You know, with the, the gardener, when he's taking the drink. And, and he just all, has he, the thing where he he's looks He's just like, ah, oh, you know, I'm a, maybe I'll start seeing things. And then the, the, the leopard, like, climbs up onto a table next to him and he looks over at it. Hannah. Hannah. Hannah, get the gun. Get the gun. <laughs> at <laughs> that moment. like, you know, maybe I'll start seeing things. And then looks over and sees the leopard and drops his bottle. <laughs> I, I like that. That's a classic it's bit. It's a classic bit. It, that bit will always work. And honestly... That might be why it's on. This might be the first bit. What do you mean? That might be the first time that bit was on film. Ah, uh, maybe. <laughs> also, another one that's very similar is when um, uh, Aunt Elizabeth and the hunter, what was his oh, name? Oh, Major Applegate. Major Applegate. The, the they, most pretentious name I could find. Yes, they, they go for like a walk outside and Major Applegate like sees the leopard. And is trying to get Aunt Elizabeth inside. He's trying to get Aunt Elizabeth inside. And he's like, don't you feel cold out here? Like, it's a little bit nippy. Don't Don't you... Don't you feel a little cold outside without a gun? <laughs> that shit had me howling. That, I, that was actually probably the best bit of the whole, the I, whole thing. I was watching the movie and Randy is just has been dead fucking sign the last like 20 minutes. I think he fucking left and then I just hear this banshee wail behind me. He's fucking dying. That shit was actually good. <laughs> Don't you feel cold out here without a gun? <laughs> that shit that shit's funny. That's, that's a good bit. That's, that's a good bit. That's a really good bit. Oh. And that's a good bit that plays into the whole idea of, like, the entire concept of the movie of, like, people just, like, talking weirdly at each other. Yeah. You know, because that is one of those things where, you know, because, like, half the lines of the movie are, huh? What? Yeah. And well? Yeah, really? Yeah, like, what? No shit. Yeah, like, shit like that, you know, where people are, like, trying to figure out what each other are, like, talking about. Mm-hmm. So that's one of those things, one of the one of the only lines in this movie that, like, fits into that criteria. If somebody says that to you and you're like, wait, what? Wait, what? <laughs> what's going on? Don't huh? you feel cold out here without a gun? And Elizabeth, what? 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 What did you say? <laughs> Hold up. No, Hold okay. <laughs> There was one bit in this that I and it's and it's super small. It's not a big deal, but I like I fucking was like, mm, I was I was dying when she's like, oh, drying his sock off and it catches on fire, and he's <laughs> like, oh, David, your, your sock's on fire. He's like, die, it's fine, just throw it away. I don't care anymore. And she's like, oh, okay, and she grabs the other sock that's and sitting there and just throws it in, it in the, the fire. fire, and that she's was like, good. <laughs> I saw that and I was like. But that sock was fine. And then Cary Grant does the look, the exact look of Being like, like uh, that sock was fine. And then he's like, ah, I don't care anymore. And, just, I, <laughs> and oh. she was just like, oh yeah, I guess I, you could have used that. <laughs> <laughs> that, it's so, it's so tiny. It's so subtle. They don't that hang on it. That was a great bit. So good. Because so it good. seems like something somebody would actually do. You know, they're like, ah, oh, you know, one sock's gone. I guess you won't need the other. Uh, I, I guess actually you could have used that one <laughs> right after they throw it in the fire. 
Oh, actually, yeah, you probably could have used that one. <laughs> oh, like though that like that tiny bit I got. Also, there's there's one bit at the beginning of the movie that it's when Cary Grant tears his tears his tuxedo, tells Catherine Hepburn to fuck off, and then rips off the back of her dress, uh-huh. and then he's trying to hide her ass with the with the thing. <laughs> that bit of physical comedy, and then she was like, "Oh, oh no, oh shit!" And then he's like, "Just, just, it's okay. Just, just, I'll, I'll stand behind you." And she's like, "Get closer. I can't get closer. I'll be inside of you." And then they just and they just stroll outside, and he's like, "I'll be right back. One minute." Like that. <laughs> little bit, I think it's, it, that little bit of physical comedy there. Yeah, that, that part timing, was decent. It was good, and I, I was think still that a little was... upset when that part came around, so I couldn't enjoy it to the fullest. And that's the thing. That one in isolation is great, and I get both their characters right. She's kind of hard headed, just will kind of ditzy, and just wants to like barrel through the rest, like the rest of this interaction. And Cary Grant is like, "Please, just leave me alone. I'm trying to be nice, and I'll just, just please give it whatever." And he's like. Oh fuck! Oh fuck! And he's just being too polite for his own good. Yeah, that is ninety percent of Cary Grant's like, or David Huxley's character, too polite for his own good. Definitely. And I I love that bit, but the the best bit of the movie. What? I think we just wade through the river. I mean, it doesn't look that deep. <laughs> just... well, it's the simplest bit in the entire movie. It is. <laughs> he asks her like, "Well, how deep's the river?" And she's like, "Oh, it's not very deep. We can just wade right through it." And he goes, "Oh, okay." And they both just go right off the freaking bank into <laughs> straight a, into, into like an eight feet of water, yeah, eight feet of water or something. Yeah, it's one of those. It's just a timeless bit. It's like just pure good, like physical comedy, you know. And that I think that's the thing because people have said for I don't know how many years where if you go back to old movies, eh, drama doesn't always age well. But comedy is forever. And I feel that's not correct. (laughs) Fucking bullshit. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Sound comedies, eh, I don't know if those all age well. Silent comedies, though, where it's physical bits. God, I can't wait to get to one. Oh, don't worry. We we have a few on here. We have uh, the general with Buster Keaton. We have have a couple Charlie Chaplins on here. Freaking can't wait to get away from these old black and white sound comedies. Holy shit! Yeah, uh, d- don't worry. I think we're gonna get to the Marx Brothers <laughs> soon, and the Marx Brothers actually are good. Okay, I'll give okay. You, I'll, you won't, I can give you one Marx Brothers bit to keep you on. Sure. All right. Sure, sure. You know, there, there's a guy who comes in and he's like, "Hello, my wife and our thirteen children have checked into the hotel." I was like, "Hi, you really must love your wife." And he's like, "Yeah, I love my wife. Well, I love my cigar, but sometimes I take my mouth off of it every once in a while." <laughs> Like, Groucho Marx just throws that out in, like, one of these... And that's, like, a, just a zinger. He goes on and just goes right back to just, just one-lining the rest of the movie. That's a pretty good one. It's, yeah. It's pretty, I love my cigar, too, but I get my mouth off of it every once in a while. Yeah, and that, that's, that's, a like, good, that's, that's a good... That's in, like, bit. a 30s comedy, 40s comedy, where it's, like, yo, like, the Hayes Code is, like, looking like, is that is that too much? Is that too much? But That's, that's a good bit. But this movie. Okay, so... We, we can say there are... Pieces of gold in this. Yes, there's little nuggets all, like, strewn lightly throughout the movie. Yeah, and I I honestly could still recommend this for, like, those curious. Because this, I think, is probably a pretty decent entry point into, like, 30s comedies. If you can get into this, you can get into the rest of them. This is probably a very accessible, like, 30s early sound comedy. if you can deal with this, you can probably deal with a lot of the other ones. Yeah. And I guess with that... The AFI question. Up, down, sideways, off. Where's it go? Come straight off. Don't even fall down the page. Just move, like, laterally off of it. As <laughs> fast as possible. <laughs> you you no appreciation here? No. Nothing. None at all? Not not really, no. There's gotta be something better we could put here that, like, fits, like, this bill. 
Honor- I, mean, I don't know of anything, but you know, somebody, on. somebody else probably does. This is the apartment's already on here. Just fucking just get bringing up baby off of here. Look, this is one of those movies where I'm like, I completely the real Bravo on here. We should have fucking real Bravo on here, but I'll get to that later. <laughs> but this is one of those movies where I completely understand why it's here. A lot of it's influenced a lot of comedies. Howard Hawks film, Cary Grant, Catherine Hepburn. This is one of those kind of kind of weird films that it's like. Oh, yeah, it didn't do well at the time, but upon reevaluation, people really dig it. It's influenced a lot of directors. People really like it. But the time probably has come. I know it's moved up in recent years, but I would be surprised if it is not in the low 90s or completely off if we get a new list. Would be surprised. I I think this movie just doesn't hold up as well as the AFI wants it to. And I guess that might be a thing where the AFI might not care if it holds up well. It's like, as long as it's a greatest American film. But I don't think this... I don't know if this is. I don't think it is. We can find better. We can definitely... Hopefully. Hopefully. I hope that we could find better than this film. But, uh... Yeah. I'm sorry, everyone, if this might have been a disappointment to you. (laughs) A disappointing episode of, you know... The film Odyssey. Yeah, film Odyssey 3000 over here. Ripping on Bringing Up Baby. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we gave it some good points, but yeah, all in all... There were some good bits in the movie. Like, you know, I don't want to come off as, like, really raggy on the movie like it's a 1 out of 10 or anything like that. It's definitely not. We're more like a 5 or 6 out of 10. Pretty middle of the road. It's like, this is not the worst film you've seen. This is definitely not. Not even close. It's just like the first, like, that first part of the movie, like, um, Cary Grant and Catherine Hepburn's, like, first couple interaction in the movie just really turned me off and then i was like oh, okay you know we can, we kind of get past that to where their interactions get like better mm. but it's just like that ah, it left such a sour taste in my mouth for the whole movie it's one of those things where it's almost like this movie was custom designed to piss you off yes yes specifically the car bit the car bit was designed to just piss me right the fuck off <laughs> holy shit but like i would i would still give it like the five six because i'm very middle of the road on this i take it or leave it honestly but i'm a very like happy five six like no this is like good it's just not great honest you know you know what if you just started the movie after the car scene where like they're in like the the like restaurant i'd probably give this movie like a six and a half maybe a seven really if you literally just started the movie there yeah that probably would work because then we don't get any of the setup about his wife or his soon-to-be wife. Yeah, his um, fiance. His fiance. We don't get any any of that shit. We don't get the horrible car scene. Don't get any of that shit. I, why it is just the, starts why there. Why is the girlfriend or fiance thing in the movie? I don't know. Like, there was some fixation with that because it it happens in like a, in it other happens movies. in swing time. It happened in swing time too, and I, I hated it there, and I hate it here. It's just like why why is there this like looming tragic element in my comedy? Like, what the fuck. <laughs> Like, why is it when I try and think about the story, I realize, oh yeah, this isn't a comedy, this is a tragedy. This is about a, this is about a man Somebody's who... Somebody's losing their fiancé, who they probably loved for fucking five years beforehand, you know, this movie, and then suddenly, you know. Every romantic comedy is the story of a, of a broken relationship somewhere. Yeah, p- fucking apparently, according to Hollywood, goddamn. Couldn't, couldn't, couldn't Cary Grant have just been single? I think that probably worked better if his like if the girlfriend character was just like his his like assistant that is just like no 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 you know you you got to stay focused or whatever and they weren't in romantically entangled it probably would have worked fine honestly 
if you cut out the whole bit with the with at the golf course and just started it with like he's in the thing and it's like oh you need to go to dinner to meet this guy and then it just led into the whole Catherine Hepburn thing where it's like oh he got into this weird interaction with a lady and now he's like I feel kind of guilty because I ruined her nightgown and I gotta yes. like you know do right by that <clears throat> no this kind of builds up just about right no that that's actually probably a decent enough setup for an old movie like this that that would have been totally fine because the whole setup and context way of the film better. changes immediately way better like oh my god it would have been <laughs> so actually, much actually, better if it started there and then as things kind of slowly escalate up then you kind of then you see Catherine hepburn's like oh she's not just this kind of like you know ditzy you know strong-headed kind of kind of gal and it's like oh no she's just kind of like like okay she's she's got a wild streak and i was like oh no now she's like stealing stuff it s it would escalate a lot better all right, I'm about to do a machete cut on this film. I'll be, I'll be back. Yeah, we're about, about to cut it up. I'm about to fix this. Fix the fucking. Fi fix this like almost, you know, maybe, maybe, like eighty year old movie, ninety maybe year John, old movie. Maybe the reason John Carpenter likes this movie so much is because he made his own fucking cut of it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, but um, but yeah. So next week though. Yes. Next week, you, Randy, you will be satiated. We're getting out of '30s comedies, and we're getting into something a little bit different. We're getting into 1957's courtroom dramas. With 12 Angry Men. Oh, we're about to have an hour and a half long episode. Oh, it's going to be so good. Oh, my dick. <laughs> would, would Randy like to give people a little a little reason why you're so hyped for well, 12 Angry Men? 12 Angry Men was like my favorite movie like for like 10 years. Like, I, I fucking love that movie. It's so good. I love the like, um, the whole like theme of the movie. Oh, I... I shouldn't get too far into it. I shouldn't. I shouldn't you, you, get too far into it. You're just opening up with this is one I of those gonna, movies. You're I was going like a 20 minute rant on the previous episode to you know to like preface my you know probably 50 minute rant in the next episode, <laughs> and then we'll you know in the uh, on our platoon episode I'll have like another 20 minute rant to like kind of wind it down. I'm talking about. Is, is this going to be one of those things <laughs> where I'm just going to open up with? So Randy, how'd you like the movie? And I can uh, just leave. You just leave. Grab yourself a beer. Get some popcorn. Come back. You know. <laughs> 30 minutes later I'll be like alright Dean so how'd you like the movie I was like it was good it was Dees I'm over here being like didn't hold up and you're like you mother but, oh, but yeah so jump across this tiny table where you record from at you. but yeah everybody so next week 12 Angry Men and oh, one of Randy's favorite films of all time I really dig the movie but I haven't seen it in a long time me neither I actually haven't seen it in a while but if you want to keep up with that, you can check us out anywhere you can get podcasts. Google Podcast, Anchor FM, where we post this. You can also find us on Spotify. And you can also find us, most importantly, on our YouTube channel, In The Frame, where we post this podcast, the Film Odyssey podcast, as well as two other podcasts, the Film Club podcast that I do with me and Becky. That one is Nostalgia Picks. Cringe. <laughs> <laughs> we basically look at old movies and see if they still hold up, more or less. But... Uh, yeah. Any last words, Randy? It's not too deep, is it? No, no, you can just wade right across. <laughs> Still a good bit. All right, everybody. Have a good week.